Thanks, guys. Well, good morning, everyone. You've heard a few times people thanking God that we are in air conditioning today. Some of you may not know how close it came. Uh, you may have noticed there's the electricity is off in the zone next to us. We thought this weekend that everything was going to be off, and so we thought we were going to be upstairs. So there are many of us that when we found out the electricity was on, it was a moment of intense joy. And uh, you didn't know it, but you had a lot of joy, too, uh, because it actually you didn't have to go stand in the courtyard. Uh, guys, just really, just really glad that you guys have uh, decided to spend some time with us here today. Um, my name is Jeep Underwood, and today we're going to be finishing and wrapping up a series that we've been in just called Can You Hear Me Now? And uh, the big idea behind the series has been that God really cares about us and that he's really communicating to us. And if we can just connect with him, if we could just hear him, then our lives would really change. And over the past few weeks, several weeks, we've been looking at some of the things that Jesus said get in the way of us really hearing him. We've been looking at the parable of the soils and just looking at the barriers that really do get in the way of us really hearing what it is that God really wants to share with us so our lives change. But but why is it, why is it, that if you get past all those barriers and you really hear God and you connect with Him, that your life changes. <clears throat> Why is that? I want to. Jesus gave us some insight into that. I want to spend some time looking at that here this morning. Is how do you become a hearing heart, and why does that change your life? Um, the this parable of the soils is actually Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They share. Uh, they actually all share an account of that parable, and I want to look at just before. In the book of Matthew, when Jesus, he just shared the parable, and his disciples have just asked him, hey, what does that mean? And they also asked him, why do you always talk in parables? And his answer, he pulls it from Isaiah chapter 6, but he gives this answer that I think gives us some real insight into how our lives change if we really connect with God. So uh, Matthew thirteen fifteen, <clears throat> it just says, for the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. I think what Jesus, he pulled that from Isaiah, and it painted a picture of when, when the barriers are in the way, if the barriers are up, then what it is is you have kind of a dull heart, and you really can't hear very well at all. And then he says, otherwise. And when he says otherwise, he starts painting the picture really of what a hearing heart looks like and what it looks like when someone's life actually begins to change. And this is the picture that he paints. It's kind of a, there's a progression where you see with your eyes, you hear with your ears, and then he says you understand with your heart. And then you return and I will heal you. And so that the, the real point, the real point of hearing God is you come to this place where you really understand. You really understand what's really going on in the world. You understand how things work. Because God perfectly understands how things work. How He designed everything. And you can, if you will listen to Him, if we will connect with Him, we actually begin to hear and understand the way the world really works and the way the different arenas in life really work. Because God really understands that. And then if we take that, He says, and then we return. And that word return just means turn around and go a different way. It means turn around and go God's way. We take that and we turn around and we follow through and we do what God says. Then it says, I will heal them. 
And that word healed just means to be made whole. So it's kind of like this wholeness of life is really kind of a picture he's painting. Like your life begins to become more and more whole and you become more and more the person that you've always wished you would be. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look in, we're going to focus in on that, on that transaction. And we're going to really look at like what is, what are some things that are true about a hearing heart? One that can actually really connect to and hear what God has to say. And so I'm going to share four things today and those things are kind of like gauges. Uh, they're kind of like gauges that are on the dash of your car. You kind of see how things are going. On uh, my cars, they share, sometimes they share very alarming information, but, uh, but these are like gauges <clears throat> that you can kind of see like, how, how is it with, with your heart? And are you in a place where you're really hearing, in a place where you can really hear God? Well, the first thing I want to just share is just a hearing heart uh, is one that knows that it doesn't understand what it needs to understand. A hearing heart is a heart that that doesn't that knows it doesn't understand what it needs to understand. That's a bit of a tongue twister, but a hearing heart basically knows it needs help. And you know, several years ago, I wanted to, you know, many of you know that I'm a civil engineer, but many years ago, uh, my boss, when I was a, uh, I was leading a, a design section there with the core. Uh, boss came up and he said, hey, there's this, there's this project that was been on the shelf for years because there's no money from Congress, but now Congress has given us money. You need to take it and you need to put it on the street, get it someone building it. And so we, we got kind of together a powwow to kind of look at these old set of drawings. And a big question that came up is, should we do a geotechnical investigation? Should we go do, a geote- do another geotechnical investigation? Now, to let you know what that is, that's where they go out and they drill holes down in the ground where you're going to build. And they get a picture of what's underneath the surface, like what kind of soils down there? Is it uh, clay, silt? Is it sand? Is it rock? It's really important you know what's down there because you have to design around what's down there. And then what they do is they analyze that information until they understand what's going on beneath the surface. Well, we very wisely decided no, we would not do a geotechnical investigation. <laughs> that was a very unwise choice. Um, we made the assumption, well, they already did one 12 years ago. I'm sure they did a good job. And so because of all the pressure to get this thing awarded, we decided that we were not going to go out and do some more geotechnical investigation. So we just pressed forward with optimism and tenacity. And uh, usually it's a pretty good combo, but uh, when you have a lack of understanding, sometimes it doesn't work out so well. So we, we went out. We had, enough, we had enough money from Congress to build about a third of the channel. And so we, we built that third. Nice, beautiful, beautiful channel. Then the next year, we got the money to build the rest, so we put it under contract. Contractor's out there, and he starts excavating. And he hit some stuff. He hit some material down there that we didn't even know how to characterize it. It was the worst stuff, the worst material that, that I personally have ever ever encountered, and I think it was true of almost anybody on our team, is it was this, this organic, soupy material very deep down, <clears throat> and it couldn't support anything. And so we were trying to figure out what to do, and it, it disrupted our channel drawings. It disrupted our, our sewer line design. And then it also it began to impact an active railroad that was going right past our project. And when, when that happened, it's like, okay, hold it, stop. We shored everything up. We put in some shoring so we could step back and take a breath. And then we did something very wise. We did a geotechnical investigation. <laughs> it's, it's a very important thing to do. So we did a, a geotech investigation. And what we found is, and this is actually a very complicated story over about a year and a half, but I'm bringing it down. What we found that was down there was there was an ancient river 
that flew that, that uh, flowed perpendicular to our project. How would you ever know it was down there? And it, it and it, that's where all this material was coming from. And we had to, we basically had to take our design and throw it away, and we had to design in a completely different design. And we tried to put that on the street, and then politically, the locals they just had nothing to do with the design, but they decided they were going to give up on the project, and they walked away. So we never built it. So now I call this the channel to nowhere. You know, it's like this beautiful channel, and it's just like there's this tiny little river that kind of feeds into it. It's just one side we have 32-foot tall walls, and we have nothing coming into it. It's very embarrassing. Um, someone was taking pictures on our like our achievement wall at work, and someone took a picture of that and put it on the wall. And went, oh, my gosh. <laughs> they had no idea what they were looking at. But it's the only failed project I've ever been a part of uh, with the Corps. And, you know, there's, we, um, if we had understood what was happening beneath the surface, we would have done that very differently. I am now a strong advocate of geotechnical investigation. So whenever we're deciding, I'm on the side going, yes, geotech investigation. Uh, the geotech guys love me because I'm always on, we need them. Now, in our lives, you know, that same story, in our lives, that same story plays out. Uh, you know what, there's a, there may be a situation or an arena of life that you're looking at, and you don't really understand what's going on beneath the surface. You just you just don't really understand like how this is working, how the people involved are thinking, but you just press on optimistically and tenaciously, and you just hope everything works out. And man, something blows up, something goes wrong. You realize, oh my gosh, that's what's going on, or this is how you approach that kind of situation, and you and you realize that actually life is a lot more complex and complicated than you thought, and Things, uh, things just don't go well, and you're trying to figure out, trying to understand after the fact. You know, maybe, maybe you're trying to navigate your marriage, and you know something's going on beneath the surface, and you're trying to really understand how to relate to one another, but you just keep having these difficulties, and you're trying to figure them out. You know, maybe you're, you're trying to raise your kids, and you're trying to find the right approach for parenting, and you know there's something going on beneath the surface, and if you could just tap into, like, the best way to raise kids, it would really make a difference. But you have to keep pressing on and you keep having the results you don't want. And you just, you know you need help. And maybe you're at work. Maybe you're at work and you know, there's a hard, you have a hard time finding meaning in it. Or maybe uh, you're having some difficult relationships on the teams that you're with. Or, you know, maybe you have a boss that you're, you're, you just don't really understand where they're coming from and how to really follow them and, you get to this place where you're like, there's there's something going on beneath the, the surface. Like, there's a way to approach this, and if I could just tap into it, I know it would be different, but I don't. And you get to the place where you realize you need help. And that is a perfect place to be, to be able to, be, be able to begin hearing what God has to say. Because God is actually the one who understands it all. God understands exactly how life works. He exactly He understands how relationships works. He understands how authority works. He understands everything that we need to know to really make our lives go. And it's only when we realize that we don't really understand what we need to understand that it opens up the door for us to really hear from Him. Now, last week we looked at God's invitation to really come to Him and listen to Him and be satisfied with Him in Isaiah 55. I want to look at a couple more verses in Isaiah 55 this morning. Uh, in Look, look at something God says in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
and my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher from the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, when God understands, his thoughts are full of understanding of how things really work. And when it says his ways, that word ways just means your course of life. It's like the way you choose to live on an ongoing basis. And so he's, what he says is, you know, my understanding of life and how to live your life on an ongoing basis is not the same as yours. In fact, it's far, far superior than yours. And to the point that we actually take in what it is that he thinks and the way he understands how life works is the, is the point at which we can really get the help that we need. So that when we, when we see our great need of help and God's offer of help and God's complete understanding of how life works, it brings us to the second gauge that we can kind of look at. The second gauge is just a hearing heart surrenders to God's ways. A hearing heart surrenders to God's ways. Right in front of this, Isaiah said something in Isaiah 55, 7. And it's going to come up on the screen. Um, Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now that sounds an awful lot like what Jesus was saying in Matthew. That sounds an awful lot like what Jesus was saying in Matthew. And what, what Isaiah tells us is that we need to forsake our ways and our thoughts. And that word forsake, it means like to relinquish and to loosen. So it's kind of like we just have to loosen our grip on what we think and loosen our grip on what we think we understand and what, uh, how we think life really ought to work. To so loosen that grip. And really, uh, a hearing heart, that's exactly what they do. They open their hand, they release their grip on their agenda, on the control that they want to have in their life, and they really come to God on His terms. And they, what He says, they return to the Lord, and He actually greets them with compassion and forgiveness, just like, just like a father. And that's one thing, as you get to hear and get to know God, you begin to realize, that he's just a father. And that's the way he looks at you is as a father. Now, this morning I want us to watch a movie clip, uh, from a movie called Blood Diamond. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a great clip of, uh, of just a father and a son. And this morning, you know, this clip, if you've ever seen the movie, it's kind of a rough movie to watch because it's all about the, the Blood Diamond trade in, in Africa. But one thing that they, one thing the bad guys do there is they kidnap young boys and they just, they get them involved in all kinds of terrible things so that it just hardens them so they get to the point where they're just as bad as they are. And that's what they do. That's how they, that's how they propagate themselves. So this, this little 12 or 13 year old boy gets kidnapped and his father goes looking for him. His father is just pursuing him. And while he's doing that, he gets, he gets, uh, brought into this hunt for a diamond and I'm not going to go into that. But at this moment in the movie, he's been searching for his son the whole time. And at the point they find this diamond everyone's looking for, his son walks up and his son has been really hardened. And his son pulls a gun on him and the guy that's with him. And I want you to watch and just see how this plays out. And then we'll go on from there. You got it. Have you got it, huh? Solomon. Solomon. 
what are you doing? A large bounty of the proud men they tried. Good boy, who loves soccer and school. Your mother loves you so much. She waits by the fire making plantains and red palm oil stew with your sister yonder. And you do, baby. Cows wait for you. And Babu, the wild dog who wants no one but you. Hmm? I know they made you do bad things. You are not a bad boy. I am your father. Who loves you. And you will come home with me and be my son again. that scene he looks at his son and he tells him they made you do bad things but you're not a bad boy you know that's the way a father looks at their kid is they <clears throat> they see them as as who they are becoming who they can become and uh, that's the way God looks at us when he sees us and he wants to help and all we have to do all we have to do to reconnect really that help is just to open our hands and in this case drop your gun and just embrace him because that's exactly what he wants to do with you. He, uh, like I said, he sees you for what you can become, but when you, when you connect to him and hear him and you surrender to him and choose his ways, it really does, it makes all the difference in your life because then you really can take in what it is he has to say to you and really get the help that he wants to offer. And so the, that moves us to like the next, to the next, uh, gauge that I want to talk about this morning. That gauge is just a hearing heart is a doer. A hearing heart is a doer who acts on what they hear. If they, it's a, they're a doer that acts on what they hear. James 1.25, uh, James captures, captures this idea. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. In everything that he does, he'll, he'll be blessed. You know, a hearing heart doesn't just hear what God has to say. What he does, he, he, he acts on it. He sees it as a point of action. And when that happens, what, what Jesus said in Luke, in Luke 6, he said that when you follow through, when you listen to what he says and you put it into practice, it actually builds a foundation into your life. And, what we all need, every single one of us, is just a foundation in our life so that we can weather the storms of life. And the foundation is absolutely crucial. Now, I, I, uh, I, I mentioned that, you know, I work for the engineering company, 
And I work for the federal government, so our, our funding is all by Congress. And so it's you never know when it's coming or how much is coming. But what was really cool is they built this building next to us. Uh, it's the Wilshire Grand Hotel. It's the tallest building uh, west of the Mississippi. And it's this grand hotel. It's 73 stories tall. And uh, it's, it's just really cool. The coolest thing about it is it was fully funded. You know, it cost billions of dollars, and someone just bankrolls it. And they didn't have to wait for anything. They just built it. It took them years, but I was able to watch it out my door, out my window of my office. And I used to tell people, well, you know, sometimes we can't make progress around here, but I like, at least I can go outside and look at progress. I can watch progress happening. It's encouraging. And so I look outside. And uh, I'm looking out the window, and I'm watching them do this whole thing. And one thing that was really interesting well, is when they built it, they, they built the center of this building out of concrete, and it goes up 73 stories. They kept going up. I went, they're going to stop. They're going to stop. They went up. And I started, my first thought was, well, that looks unstable. I, I, I hope it doesn't fall on our building, you know, if it ever followed this, fell this way. But then what, what helped me not be so concerned is I remember when they poured the foundation. First of all, it took them like 10 months. Like 10 months, they dug this hole about 80 to 100 feet deep, an incredible system of shoring, and they put in all this rebar. And I couldn't even, you couldn't really tell what they were doing because it was so much. But I got to see like 15 stories down, I could see what they were doing. And they, they actually broke a Guinness record by the largest concrete pour that's ever happened. They poured 21,200 cubic yards of concrete in 18 hours. Uh, over a weekend. They had 208 concrete trucks, which just boggles my mind. And a concrete truck only holds about, it only holds about 10 yards. So 21,000 divided by 10, that's a lot of trips. So, you know, these, these trucks, they just had this huge, every concrete area in this part of the country was bringing concrete to them. And that's the kind of, you know, if you, if you looked at the concrete, if it was 100 feet by 100 feet, it would go 58 feet deep. That's how much concrete they poured down that foundation. It made, uh, it made a huge difference, and that really helped me know, okay, they got a good foundation on this thing, and that's what you need for a skyscraper, a really good foundation. Well, it's the same thing for having a successful life. You've got to have a foundation. You've got to spend time building that foundation. And it doesn't look, you know, no one was outside going, wow, look at that hole. You know, <laughs> there was no one going, you know what they're doing now? They're down in the hole. You know, there was, it was only exciting. It got exciting when they started going up. You're going, wow, how big will it be? But for 10 months, nobody even thought about it. But the most important thing we were doing was down in that hole, building that foundation. And so, like I said, it's the same thing in our life is we need to consistently be hearing God's word and putting it into practice so that we build that foundation in our life. Now, another thing I noticed looking out from my perch is you know, before the Grand Wilshire Hotel was built, there was another Wilshire Grand Hotel there. And uh, it wasn't quite as grand, and even though it had it in the title. But one thing about them is because they, they did a geotechnical investigation, which I, I think was a very good idea. So they did a geotechnical investigation, and they found out that, well, they, they knew this up front, but they knew they located it. But there's a subway. The red line goes right by there. There's all these utilities in all the streets, and they realized hey, if we blow this building up like they do in a lot of buildings, uh, we're likely to damage many things. So they just they had to do is they had to tear this building down floor by floor. And so for months I watched them go out there and tear this building down floor by floor. You know, that's also, that's also just a real picture. When we're 
when we're trying to build a foundation with Jesus and following what he has to say, the, the issue is that we already have a building there. We already have the way we think, that we already have the way that we've been building uh, based on our thoughts. It's already a, There's some things we've erected. And so what we have to do is we have to tear those things down and replace them with what God says to do. And sometimes those things feel very normal to us. They feel like, hey, this is just the way I am. This is the way I live. But we build these things up. We need to tear those things down so we have the space to then do what God says to do. Now, as just kind of a picture of that, there, years ago I was uh, I was mentoring a, a student at USC, and we were meeting like about every week. And he came in. He came in one time, and we were at Commons, and he, he came in. And he goes, uh, he just was really upset. I said, "Man, what's wrong?" And he goes, "Oh man, I just came from this class." He said, "I turned this." I turned this paper in late, and the teacher just blew up. The professor blew up and just kind of ripped me up one side and down the other in front of everyone. Just let me have it. I said, wow, they did? And he goes, man, he goes, and he was just, he was really worked up. He goes, I can never go back there again. I'm never going back. And I was just thinking about the money he'd spent on that. I went, now do you, now do you think that's probably the best way? So we started talking for a little bit and, and we just spent some time and we, we began looking at the book of Ephesians chapter four. And we just talked about forgiveness and just where it says, no, let all bitterness and wrath and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And we were talking about how one way he could approach it is to go to his professor and, and, uh, apologize and ask for her forgiveness for turning his paper in late. And forgive her for the way that she had acted. And then that that could really open up. That could really open up some possibilities for him to be able to stick around. And he goes, man, I can't do that. And so for him, he's like, you know, I can't do that. He was all worked up. He goes, there's just no way in the world I can ever go back and face her and face the people in that room. And I said, and he was he was someone that was a very good friend. And he and I spoke into each other's lives. And I just said, well, I guess it's. Just one decision that you have to make. And he said, what's that? I said, well, are you gonna, are you gonna do what God says to do? Are you gonna do what you think you ought to do? That's, I guess, what it comes down to. And he goes, I'm gonna think about it. And I said, alright, well, hey, let me, hey, let me know how it goes. And so he, he heads off and the next week we get together and he comes up. I hadn't heard from him. He comes up and he goes, hey, uh, he's talking, he's just saying, hey, this is happening, this is happening. He went, hey, hey, how, how did it go with that class? He goes, oh, it's good. Don't worry about it. I said, whoa, 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 time out, time out. No, 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 no. No, what happened? He goes, oh, well, you know, I went in before class and, uh, I just told her I was sorry that I turned that paper in late and to make sure that I'd work really hard not to do that again. And, and he said, you know what? When I told her that, she just said, oh man, well, I'm glad you told me. That. I'm really glad you told me that. I'm really glad you're going to handle it better, different in the future. And, and then she said something like, uh, you know what? I'm really sorry that I that I yelled at you in front of people and I shouldn't have done that. And he says he walked out of there and he goes, and it was totally okay. It was totally okay. I was sitting there and people were talking to me. It was like they didn't remember anything and and she and I were like totally clear and I said, Huh, I figured that. You know, it's uh it's almost like God knows what he's talking about. Um But it was it was one of those moments in life when he took he tore down what he had built, the way he thought things worked. And then he put what God said into place, and it made a huge difference. And that's just, just a picture of what it looks like when uh, when your life changes. Because moments like that, 
they change your perspective and you begin to think that's the way life works. So a hearing heart in the moment of choice, they reject their ways and their thoughts and they really put God's thoughts and they really follow through with what God says to do. And the fourth gauge, the fourth gauge that I wanted to share a little bit about this morning is just a hearing heart is not alone. A hearing heart is not alone. There's something about, you know, when you, when you begin to really listen to what God has to say, what he, what you, many things you find him saying, they actually bring you together with other like-hearted believers. They bring you together. They, also, they bring you together with folks that are outside the kingdom, folks that need to know him. But it brings you together with like-hearted believers. You know, the one another's are like, the, the, there's a big theme through the New Testament of how we treat each other. We call them the one another's, but it's hard to do the one another's if you're not around one another. And so as you begin to listen to God, you find yourself always being pulled towards one another. And someone who's hearing what God has to say is someone who's not alone. And so a hearing heart is really helped and protected by being part of the family. So it's really what it is is when you become a believer, when you when you accept Christ and you make him the boss of your life, you're actually adopted into a family. And when you're around your family, when you're connected relation to your family, it really does protect you and help you. And so I want to look, the writer of Hebrews says something about this in uh, Hebrews 3.13. The writer of Hebrews says, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called the day, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If you remember, when Jesus was talking about one of the barriers, the first barrier he talked about was kind of a hardened soil that nothing could go into. And if we're not careful... You know, we're, we, that song we just sang, I love that song. We're prone to wander. We're prone to leave the God we love. And when we wander, what can happen is we can get to the place where we get deceived by sin in our lives and we get hardened to actually be able to hear God anymore. And so it's just, uh, by being around each other, when you're connected with each other, when we're in, a, when you're in a community where we're all encouraging one another day by day and connected with one another, there, there's something that pulls us back away from that, and it protects us. Um, and, he, and how often should you do that? He says, as long as it's still called today. So that's like whenever you think of it, it it's today right then. And so be thinking about you know ways that you could encourage someone else and, and be really open to being encouraged by others and can make sure you place yourself in a place where you can be really connected relationally with other people who are always also trying to hear God and follow what he has to say. <clears throat> And so it is, like I said before, when we get isolated from that encouragement of community, that's when things can start to go in the other direction. We can start building up our own ways and our own thoughts again and kind of go the wrong direction. So we just don't really want to do that. Uh, right at the end, like I said, in uh, the parable of the soils is in several places. But in Luke, right after the, Jesus shared the parable of the soils, he says this statement. And it starts with therefore. It's in Luke eight eighteen, And he says, therefore, you know, considering everything he said about the parable of the soils and the barriers to hearing God, he says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. And so that's my, my, uh, my, I guess, I guess my charge to all of us today, including myself, is that we would just carefully consider how we listen. And just, you know, just kind of, kind of walk, walk through the flow of it. To be a hearing heart, you really have to realize 
that you don't really understand, what you need to understand, and that brings you to a place where you can really surrender to God in His ways because you know that He really does understand. And then you tear down the, your structure of the way you want to live and you put His structure in place. And then you have to stay connected with like-hearted people, like-hearted believers. And when, when, those, when those gauges are all dialed in, there's a strong chance that you'll be able to hear what God has to say to you. So I want to uh, give some ideas, like maybe some next steps for for some of us this morning. Maybe maybe for you, a next step would just be surrendering to Jesus the first time. It's just really making him the boss of your life and, and really yielding your life to him and asking him to really step in and take over the reins of your life and really become a Christian. Maybe that's... Maybe that's your next step. And maybe for some of us, just just to choose not to go with what we think. There might be a situation you're facing right now where there's what you think and what you know God says and you're, and you're kind of struggling with it. Is Maybe it's just to choose what God says and follow through with that. And then maybe, maybe this morning, maybe just next step would just choose to join a group. Our groups are starting up here in about a week. But just choose to join a group so you can get better connected to the family. You know, that's... We have groups here for just that reason is because it's really when you're connected and you're really encountering the Word of God, that's really when your life changes. So I'd really encourage you to take a next step. It may be one of those. It may be something that God has really shared with you this morning. Now, guys, that's uh, that's what I'm going to – usually I would say something like, can the band come up right now? But what I'd like to do right now is we're going to do something a little different. Um, I'd like to ask Ben and Lori Montgomery if they could uh, – if they could step up here, we want to just take a little time and just uh, just to thank them and uh, to honor them. So, come on, guys, Ben and Lori, um, they've decided to start a brand new adventure, and uh, it's exciting times for them and their family. They're they're going to be moving out to the Fontana area, and uh, they're going to be thrown in at Ridgeview Church, and where Sam and uh, where Alex and Sam Barrett uh, are. Uh, are leading the church out there and the church they launched, uh, here several months ago. But they're gonna be, they're gonna be a big part of that church. And, uh, you know, Ben and Lori have been a huge part of our church since way before Alhambra. You know, it's a, they've been a huge part of our church back, all the way back to Diamond Bar. And, and also you've been a huge part, very instrumental in just what we're doing here in, in Alhambra. And I just wanted to, well, I just want to highlight a few things. Just, you know, Ben, I remember when we needed a worship leader and we asked you, hey, you've never done this before. How would you, uh, how would, how, how would you like to try that? And, uh, and Ben, just a real gamer, he steps up and has to spend a lot of time just, just figuring that out. And Ben has been a huge part of our worship and he's really helped us out big time. And there's been many, many other things than that. He's a staff member here, but he's really helped out in many things. And then, Lori, I remember when we were starting the Alhambra campus, I was the service team director, which of, there were several of us, we kind of appointed ourselves in positions, but nothing existed yet. Um, but Lori was our kid zone director, and she built it from a blank piece of paper to something that was an ongoing, it was a going concern, and she, she laid everything out, got it all run, and ran it for quite a long time before she passed it over to Amy Hines uh, not that long ago. And and, and Lori just continues just to be a real force here. And Lori, just want to thank you for everything that you've done with us, both of you guys. Um, 
So we're, we're very grateful. We're very sad to see them go, but we're also excited about the next chapter you guys are going to. And we wanted to say, we wanted to say thank you. And we wanted to give you guys a gift. And I just want to give this to you guys. And I just wanted to thank you so much for everything that you've done. And I hope that what's in that envelope would be something that really help you guys to get, to get launched where you're going. So if that could, if we can give a round of applause, guys. But wait, there's more. Um, we're actually, there's going to be more time. We're going to, I want to invite everyone here. We're going to have cake and refreshments up in the courtyard uh, afterwards. And so if you like Ben and Lori, if you like cake, if you like refreshments, you can just come on up and we're going to have a, we're going to have a good time. It'd be a good time just to connect with them, find out what their plans are and be able to say goodbye. And I think it'd just be a, a fun time. So please join us afterwards. So, and so I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'll ask the band to go ahead and come back up. And Lori, if you wanted to step off, you could anytime you want. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know about you, but I've been on stages before. I'm like, uh, well, I'm no longer here. And, uh, so actually I feel that way every Sunday. No, I said, so, but guys, I, uh, I just want to ask the band to go ahead and come back up. And I, and if you haven't finished filling out your connection card, now's a great time to do that. Drop it in the offering when it comes by. And I'm going to pray for us and we'll get, we'll continue with service. Father, God, I just, uh, I'm just very grateful to you that you didn't leave us alone in the dark. But God, that you really are our Father. And that you look at us and you say, I know you've done bad things, but you're not a bad boy. You're not a bad girl. You're my son. You're my daughter. And God, I pray that each one of us could see your face and the way you care about us. And that we would open our hands, surrender, and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.